Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Echo Network's Imagine India podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Olson. At the Echo Network, we dream of the world not as it is, but as it could be. It's one of the reasons that we love the power of science and technology to shape our futures. We know that by working together, we already have all the tools we need to achieve our dreams. The Echo Network's Imagine India podcast listens to the dreams that our world's light bringers have for India and our planet. We believe that by listening to each other, we can begin to bring those many dreams together for a collective vision that can become the new reality. So let's start now. Today's guest is an author, a public policy expert, a father, a son, an advisor, a TED speaker, a young global leader, and of course, the visionary founder and CEO of the Council on Energy, Environment, and Water, which is one of Asia's leading policy research institutions. Arunaba Ghosh, welcome to our program. Hi, Shannon. Thanks for having me on the program, and thanks for a very kind introduction. We're so excited to have you, especially in this really important month where we've had Earth Day. And honestly, I can't think of any person who we'd rather have from our network that symbolizes the visions of Earth Day than you. You've mentioned to me that you're an institution builder, which is clear from the amazing organization that you've built, CEW. And you said that you like to make the small things special. And I found this comment really intriguing. So what does it mean to make small things special? And why is that important to you? Well, I, I mean, I believe the most important thing about institutions is people. When I say I like to make the small things special, it means the, the little things that, um, that enliven your, your day. I mean, I'm, uh, some people are great at telling jokes. I'm not that funny. Uh, but, you know, um, we've always had at CW, you know, there's always cake at CW. Um, but it could also be about the individual. Um, it's, it's how you reach out, what you do, how do you think about the person. Um, and it's not about necessarily a manager reporty relationship. It's, it's just generally having empathy, being in someone else's shoes. But there's a personal dimension to it as well. Uh, I, um, I, I, I take great pains in, in the little details, whether it's decorating a cake or painting a poster for my daughter's room and things like that. And I think, you know, if you fill up your day with little moments of uh, niceness, um, it, it makes a lot of difference. So that's really what, what this is all about. But how do you bring this to, you know, the focus of the work you do, which is broadly climate action and its many forms? Making the small things special means that it's not just about making a choice that is of sacrifice, but making it one that is desirable. Uh, that the sustainable choices we make in our clothing, in our mobility, in, our, in what are we drink and the food we eat in in the paper we write on um we've got to add a little bit of a pizzazz to it uh and and uh, you know we have a super team that thinks about these in different ways it's you know we launched something called water on earth uh, last year which is the name of our cartoon series every wednesday we bring out a cartoon on sustainability um, 
drawing on our research, but also commenting on what's happening in the world. And, uh, you know, uh, suddenly the pale blue dot that Carl Sagan talked about as, you know, this big planet on which we live um, is now a little cuddly little mascot that we have. So I, I think at the end of the day, climate action is not just something that someone else does. Um, it is about the choices we are making. It is about the, the way we live and the way we interact and the way we engage. And each of them have to be made a little, little bit extra special for it to mean something. One of the things I honestly admire most about you, and, and I, I read your work all the time, you're an incredibly prolific author. And on Earth Day, um, your organization shared an op-ed that you wrote a few months ago, and it was enlivenment. In that, you outlined a number of actions that we need to take immediately, okay, in, in India. And you, one of the ones that you mentioned, which goes back to this previous comment you made, is that we need to consume sustainably and that there's an importance of individual choice. I think that most of us are a bit confused on really what we need to be doing to make the most impact, right? So, for example, I was in the supermarket over the weekend and I saw these oranges that came from Egypt. And they were really, really cheap, okay? They were cheaper than the fruit, other fruit I could buy that was local at the, at the moment. Now, I know that that orange from Egypt, from a greenhouse gas and transport and storage space, is costing a lot more to the planet than something that's coming from right outside the city. I know this, okay? But the fruit's already there, right? So I think it's very confusing to know what actions are really gonna make the most impact. No, I, I think we have to, first of all, recognize that we are all hypocrites. Um, and, and, and if we don't yeah. recognize that, then we, we risk being on a, you know, on a moral high horse, um, dictating and, and, and to others what they need to do without really figuring out, as you're rightly asking, how do you even make that sustainable choice? One thing we need to do is, when we talk about nudging individual behavior, we do have to change localized structure uh, maybe not everything systemically changes, but localized structures of, you know, nowadays you can go to a hotel and ask whether you need some toiletries in the hotel bathroom or not. It's not necessarily provided. Can the, uh, instead of having little plastic bottles of soap and shampoo, can it be in a larger container that gets refilled? We're doing that even at home. You know, we, hmm. uh, you know, we buy those packages yeah. of, of hand wash or whatever and then fill it in. I think this is where information is absolutely critical that what is the impact that each choice is making? We need to be able to distill and provide that salient information um, to ourselves and, and, and to each other in order for us to make, not to lecture and heckle, but to tell people that this is the option, now make a decision, at least make an informed decision. The last thing I want to say on this is that, you know, uh, sometimes the simple actions can demonstrate big transformative change. Uh, and this goes back to making the small things special, right? Your listeners might or might not know about this big uh, march that Mahatma Gandhi had undertaken called the Dandi March over several hundred mm -hmm. kilometers. Mm -hmm. um, and the objective was to rebel against the tax on salt that the then British government ruling over India had imposed. The importance of that was agency. 
that no matter how desperately poor you are, you need salt to survive. Right, right. And even that desperately poor person walked hundreds of kilometers with Gandhi. And the simple act was to pick up salt and make your own salt from the sea. We, we cannot just tell people become green. We have to have that combination of one, the local structural changes that are needed in how options are given. Two, the individual recognition of the hypocrisy and the schizophrenia between the individual as a citizen by night and the economic agent by day. And three, to keep looking for those simple actions that send a very powerful signal. What else do you think about? I mean, I know you think about many things on grander scale, but I mean, in your own lives, with your family at home, for example. So I think the food story is going to be a major issue uh, around in, uh, of individual choice. And it's not just the you know, carbon miles that an orange travels. It's also yeah. the water content in the orange. So sometimes yeah. maybe the sustainability equation is not just the travel distance. It's like, uh, is your locally produced food uh, actually sustainably produced or is something that is transported from far actually a better option for the planet? Right. The right. other thing that we don't talk about enough is clothing. And in this world of fast fashion, uh, we are really, really not thinking about the sustainability impact that our constant desire to change and um, our clothing uh, uh, results in. The amount of water that's going under the cotton, where the cotton is gro grown. Um, if we are using uh, you know, synthetic fabrics, are they recycled? Um, there's a huge, huge challenge there with individual choices that we're making, because of course people are getting richer, they want more options, et cetera. But I think the other issue around sustainability is that we have to bring sustainability closer to the lived life. Sustainability is not a solar panel in a desert. Sustainability is not just an electric bus, right? Sustainability is the air we are breathing, the water we are drinking, the food we are eating, the clothes we are wearing. I always talk about my, I have these Adidas Sambas, okay? They were really popular in the 90s and I still have them. And the reason I still have them is because I worked so hard to buy those shoes. And I just think about that want. And I still, even today, I still want those shoes. It, there's a lot of, you know, this want that you have. And with our rising middle class that we have in India, I mean, I just, I really resonate with that. You know, they uh, they grew up without having access to these things. And, and you really have to respect that want. So how do we also um, counteract the, the human need to want to have things that other people have? And then, you know, especially if you've been deprived it. So how do we tap into that aspect as well? Because that really, that's where the empathy that you have really plays a role, I think. I think it is important to be empathetic to aspiration. Yeah. Because it is, it, it, it is a huge injustice to tell literally billions of people that now you can't ask for anything else because sorry, we but, all, some of us got all what we want. That too much, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, uh, and, and the, the very example that you've given, right? I mean, for you, it might've been a shoe as a teenager. For someone, it could be a bag. Someone else, it could be a, a particular pair of jeans they really wanted. Whatever it is, right? And and that is serves it serves as a motivation. Serves as a motivation to work hard to 
you know, focus on your merit, etc. And this is what I'm rewarding myself with. So I think it would be wrong to say because the planet has to become sustainable that suddenly denial is the answer. Therefore, rather than damping down on just consumption per se, we have to think about changing those consumer choices. That's why I said, what is the option that is being given? A, an orange becomes cheaper for you. A t-shirt becomes suddenly from $5, it becomes $2. Uh, and, you know, and, and then you're throwing away that t-shirt every six months. It is that consumer option that has to become sustainable. The other is circularity. The pride one should feel in getting a new bag, but also seeing that that bag is made out of, you know, 95% recycled materials or 99% recycled materials. So that is the only way I see that people will, uh, at a general level, we'll be able to give those structural options. And so I want to actually take you back to one of your inspirations now that you mentioned. So who is Mrs. Lopez? Tell me about her. <laughs> uh, I, I went to um, a, a school in Delhi called Mount St. Mary's. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a school run by uh, Irish uh, um, uh, uh, brothers. Um, and uh, Mrs. Uh, Lopez was one of my high school teachers. And, but more than just you know, teaching me geography, um, she was a big influence in my life. And she was someone who gave me a lot of uh, encouraging me to take on leadership, uh, not leadership positions, but leadership initiatives. At CW, we say leadership is by initiative. And, and that's something that I have lived as a, as a child, as a school-going student, um, that you, know, you can be 12 and you can do something. You, know, you don't have to suddenly get voted into the student council when you're 17 to be doing something. The other element, if I may say, is that leadership is also about integrity. And, and that is something that I learned from just watching her. Uh, so that's where uh, that, that's, she's been one of a big, I mean, I, I, I'm very fond of many of my school teachers from kindergarten all the way to high school. But uh, Ms. Lopez is someone who was very dear to my heart, still is. I'm sure she's incredibly proud of you. And as a leader, I'd like to take you to the, uh, the three questions that actually lie at the heart of our program that we ask all of our guests. Um, and it's about your dreams. I'd actually like you really to close your eyes, <laughs> okay? And I want you to imagine the India of 2032 that you actually dream of, not the one that exists now, or maybe the one that you fear might happen, but the one that you think is possible if we just take the right actions. So I, I uh, do believe that within the next decade, uh, one big part of the India that I imagine is one where uh, the energy transition has come much closer to communities um, and, and people and households. Um, Shannon, you were talking about, you know, working class families and middle, lower middle class families and the aspiration, right? Um, 30 years ago, um, it was very hard to buy a car in, in India, all right? Um, buy a house. And we got 
uh, innovations in the financial sector where you could take a loan and buy a car or buy a bike, uh, take a home loan and get, get a home. Uh, and I want, I want that that level of ease becomes possible for the household uh, to be able to make a sustainable energy choice, that a small business can make a sustainable energy choice, that a, uh, one of the, to give an example, what we, we have a program called Powering Livelihoods, and uh, we, we ourselves support monetarily and technically startups that are using distributed energy to drive livelihood activities. Now, one of those startups um, is run by somebody who uh, was originally a farmer, came to the city to become a rickshaw puller, had an accident, couldn't be a rickshaw puller anymore, went back and invented this machine that can process all sorts of uh, food, uh, food produce in, and make it into juices and bulbs and things like that. Uh, based on an efficient motor and, and renewable energy. Now, I, I imagine in India where this is happening, uh, these kinds of moments and, and opportunities are happening everywhere. That's one. The other is that I want, I imagine in India that uh, has embraced uh, sustainable uh, food, and sustainable air and sustainable mobility, the, the kind of lived quality of life that, that households experience. And, uh, and I would want that again to not just be a top-down imposition, but something that people are feeling, living, contributing to um, themselves. Uh, a third dimension related to this is circularity. I, I want a circular economy in India. I wrote a few months ago, can we imagine a circular economy unicorn in India? Today, India has the world's second or the third largest number of exactly. startups and unicorns. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. So every, every kind of startup is suddenly becoming you know, a billion mm -hmm. dollar valued company. But I want circular economy companies to be billion dollar valued The fourth imagination for me is can we imagine the daughter of a coal miner today becoming that circular economy billionaire? So to me, it's, it's the transition towards an India of 2032 or 2047 is not just about you know, building renewable energy power plants. Right, it's right. really about how our, our lived life changes and the opportunities that we aspire to. Right. So going with that, um, you actually talked a little bit about some ways that your your you and CEW are actually trying to achieve those dreams. But I'm going to ask you this another imagination question. So if I had the ability to grant you one wish right now, and it could be resources, people, this policy changes, whatever you like, what is the what is the first thing that you would do to get us on that road? If I could just poof, give, give you what you needed to, to make that dream a reality. I would transform education if I could uh, and, and uh, embed sustainability, not as a, a after school exercise or one period, but really transform education to something that's focused on problem solving. Because I think I, I, I mentioned earlier in this podcast, I talked about agency. 
on that little thing that that seemingly little thing that Gandhi did with the march to Dandi and making salt, right? Right. I think there is we we, we talk about human ingenuity, uh, but human ingenuity without agency is just you know um, wasted. And so the first thing I would do if I had the resources, I would focus on reorienting education towards solving problems. Honestly, that is not even something that's remotely out of reach. It just requires collective intention. It will require a lot of effort, but it's totally possible. Um, and I completely agree. Education is is really the key uh, to not, not only for at, for at the school level, but also for adults as well, also for the for their parents and, and the communities. So Arnab, it's honestly, it's been an immense joy to, to listen to you today and to speak with you. And I'm really, I'm really moved by how well you're able to articulate your vision for a sustainable India and for our planet at large. And, and this I think gives me and, and everyone listening the hope that the dreams that you mentioned to us today are really going to be realized for all of us. So I wanna thank you. And if you're interested in the work Aranaba is doing or would like to contact him for more information, please write to us at info at echonetwork.in and we will connect you. And of course, you can go to the CEEW website or the social media handles where they have tons and tons of wonderful information on the issues that Aranaba discussed today. If, if you would indulge me, I wanted to just, uh, to two years ago when there was Earth Day and we were in, under lockdown, I append a poem and I just want to read off uh, just the last few lines of that poem if, if that's all right with you because it I would it love that what appeals to me what well, this poem is called what if the stars looked up on earth anyway let me just read out the last few lines what if the stars looked up on earth would they detect a father and daughter giggling as they hike together smelling rain holding pine cones and feathers, would they know this globe is not his, but hers? And I think this is a perfect sentiment for our listeners to take with them. And thank you, Aranaba. Thank you so much for everything you've given us today. And thank you, everyone out there, our listeners, for being with us. And please tune in next month when we share more dreams for India and the world. And until then, we wish you love and hope and keep dreaming. Bye, everybody.